You are listening to The Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Merton. Hello, thank you for tuning into The Pregnancy Podcast. Check out the Your Birth Plan book for the resource that you need to create and write your birth plan. This book is going to help you prepare for the birth experience you want, and it's going to give you a really comprehensive template and a ton of samples that's going to make writing your birth plan so simple. To find it, you can just search your birth plan on Amazon, or there are links to it on the website. Last week, we talked about parenting, and we had Jen Lumenlon on the podcast from the Your Parenting Mojo podcast, which is a parenting resource that I just fell in love with immediately. If you missed that episode, I really, really recommend that you go back and listen to it. And I do hope that you are subscribed to Your Parenting Mojo and that you listen to those episodes, especially if you're getting a head start on all of this parenting stuff while you're pregnant. You are going to be so much better prepared when your little one starts becoming a toddler, and you're going to have a really good handle on parenting. And I just love Jen's approach. She researches the heck out of everything, and everything she talks about is so evidence-based. And if you missed that episode, you can go back and listen to episode 63. This week, we are talking about vaccines, and specifically vaccines during pregnancy. As a disclaimer to this episode, this is a really controversial topic. There are professionals who spend their entire lives dedicated to researching and studying vaccines and their safety. This episode is intended as an overview of vaccines to kind of give you an introduction to them and explain what vaccines are and to give you a good baseline on the information available. I have literally had sleepless nights over this topic because it's impossible for me to analyze every single study done. And like I said, there are people who have dedicated their life to this, and I am not one of those people. I have spent a significant number of hours and days and weeks on studying vaccines, and I hope that you find the information in this episode to be helpful as you are making your choices about whether or not to get vaccinations when you are pregnant. These are decisions that you should be making in conjunction with talking to your doctor or midwife. I cannot possibly cover every facet of this topic. And if you have any further questions or any concerns, I really urge you to bring them up with your care provider. I am not for or against vaccinations. I strongly believe that you should be able to make the choice as to whether or not you receive a vaccine. And I know that because you're listening to the pregnancy podcast that you are making an informed decision. There is so much fear around vaccines and it's easy to let fear make decisions for us. Please do not make a decision out of fear. You are informed. You have a lot of information at your disposal. Please do make a decision on the information that you have and don't be afraid and let that dictate what you decide to do in regards to vaccinations. Okay, so sorry about that really long preface, but let's dive into this episode. Vaccines were first created in the 1790s with the smallpox vaccine, so this is not a totally new thing. 
A vaccine is created by taking a weakened or killed form of a disease-causing microorganism, and then they're going to take either microbes from that organism or its toxins or proteins, and then they're going to give that as an injection, which is going to cause your body to produce antibodies against that organism, which is going to give you immunity. The whole point of this is basically that when a vaccine is introduced into your body, your body is going to create antibodies to fight it off. And the amount that's in the vaccine shouldn't be enough to actually give you the disease or really make you sick. And if your body's ever exposed to it again in the future, then your body should be able to recognize it and is able to fight it off. There are a lot of different type of vaccines. So you can have an inactivated vaccine where they take the microorganism that's no longer alive and they're going to kill it with either heat, radiation, chemicals, or antibiotics. This is like the pertussis or whooping cough vaccine, which we are going to talk about today, and also the same with the flu shot. There are attenuated vaccines, which are live vaccines. And these can be cultured to have some of the properties disabled, so they shouldn't actually cause the virus, but they're going to be really closely related to the virus, which is going to be enough to give you an immune response, but not enough to make you sick. There are also toxoid vaccines, which are made from toxic compounds that cause the illness. This is like tetanus and diphtheria, which are included in the Tdap vaccine, which we're talking about today. And then there's subunit vaccines, which are made from just the proteins of an organism. Depending on the type of vaccine that you're using, they're going to take the vaccine and add that to adjuvants, stabilizers, and preservatives. So an adjuvant enhances the immune response. This could be aluminum, which is included in quite a few vaccines. A stabilizer is going to increase the storage life because you have pharmaceutical companies manufacturing this and storing it and shipping it all over the country. And then you also have preservatives. Preservatives are big in the use of multi-dose vaccines, which we're going to talk about Tdap today, and that's a multi-dose vaccine because it vaccinates you for several different things. There are a lot of other ingredients that can be included in vaccines. This can include antibiotics, which helps prevent the growth of bacteria. There could be egg protein. This is used in flu vaccines because they're prepared using chicken eggs. Formaldehyde is used to inactivate bacterial products in some vaccines. MSG or monosodium glutamate is included in some vaccines and that's used as a stabilizer for heat, light, humidity, or acidity and also as a preservative. Thimerosal is an antimicrobial that contains mercury and it's added to multi-dose vaccines to prevent contamination and growth of potentially harmful bacteria. Due to the controversy surrounding thimerosal and of course mercury, it has been removed from most vaccines. Vaccines are usually given to you once, but you may require a booster. So in some cases, your body develops immunity for your lifetime, in which case you would just need one dose of a vaccine. But in other cases, it's only for a limited time, in which case it would be recommended that you get a booster like every 10 years or for whatever quantity of time it is that the vaccine provides immunity for you. 
So vaccines are accepted by the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. This is a board of 15 voting members that are medical and public health professionals, and they make vaccine recommendations to the CDC, and then the CDC recommends it out to the medical community in the United States. If you want to see a list of the current members of that board, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. There have been some questions about conflicts of interest with this board in the past. There's always going to be the possibility of conflicts within the medical community, especially when you're involving pharmaceutical companies because they are big business. Overall, these organizations like the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, the CDC, they are all aiming to limit conflicts of interest and their whole goal is to maintain the well-being of the population as a whole. They have good intentions. Whether or not there's going to be conflicts of interest, of course, it is a possibility, but I am not going to get too into the weeds on that in this episode. I'm going to talk a lot about CDC guidelines when I'm talking about vaccines, just because this is probably what your care provider is likely recommending. The CDC would prefer that everybody is up to date on their recommended vaccinations prior to getting pregnant. But there are two vaccines that are recommended by the CDC during pregnancy. These are the Tdap vaccine and the flu vaccine. Today, I'm going to talk about the Tdap vaccine, and you'll have a good handle on that by the end of this episode. And then next week, we'll talk about the flu vaccine. And I'll put a link in the show notes to the CDC's page on these two vaccines that are recommended during pregnancy. When you're pregnant, you're looking to create passive immunity. So this happens when you get a vaccine And then the antibodies that you are producing are going to be passed to your baby through the placenta. The CDC is interested in protecting the population as a whole. So there's this idea of herd immunity, which means that if a large percentage of the population is vaccinated, that it's going to help protect the whole population, especially those who cannot receive vaccines. This is something that only applies to contagious diseases, and herd immunity is going to protect people who can't develop immunity. It's going to help people who are too young to receive a vaccine or people who cannot receive a vaccine because of a medical condition. Herd immunity is something that is necessary to help eradicate a disease. If you're talking about giving vaccinations to completely get rid of a disease altogether, it's going to be key that you have herd immunity, that the majority of the population is getting vaccinated. The Tdap vaccine is for tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis. Don't confuse this with DTaP, which is for babies. They don't get this until about two months old. The Tdap vaccine, it's an intramuscular injection, so you're going to get it in your upper arm, and it's recommended to get it in your third trimester, sometime between 27 and 36 weeks. The CDC recommends that everybody get the Tdap at age 11 or 12, and they say that if you have not ever had it, then you should just get it as soon as possible, and then they recommend that you get it during each and every pregnancy. The reason for this is that your body is going to create antibodies and you're going to be passing those to your babies. Antibodies are highest about two weeks after you get the vaccine. 
And this way, when your baby's born, they have some protection against pertussis. Your baby is born without much of an immune system, and I cannot possibly stress enough one of the biggest things that you can do to help your baby build a healthy immune system is to breastfeed. That's, of course, not going to replace a vaccination, but it will make a huge, huge difference in helping their immune system and keeping them healthy. I did try to find a little bit of information as to why this vaccine combines three different things in one and why not just give you a pertussis vaccination because that's really what your care provider is looking to protect you and your baby for when you're pregnant. And I couldn't really find anything as to why these three are combined. The Tdap shot protects you from tetanus, diphtheria, and whooping cough. So tetanus is pretty rare in the United States. Tetanus can lead to tightening of muscles in your head and neck so that you cannot open your mouth and you can't swallow, and sometimes it can even impact your breathing. Tetanus kills about 1 in 10 people who are infected with it, even after they receive the very best medical care, so it can be pretty serious. Diphtheria is really rare in the United States today, and that can cause a thick coating to form in the back of your throat, which can lead to breathing problems, heart failure, paralysis, and death. Whooping cough or pertussis, which is really the main goal of you getting this vaccination, is a really highly contagious respiratory tract infection. This is caused by bacteria that's airborne when an infected person coughs or sneezes. And within about 10 days of becoming infected, the first signs that you're going to see are a runny nose, nasal congestion, red or watery eyes, fever, and cough. After about a week or two, signs and symptoms can worsen and you can get thick mucus accumulating inside your airways, which can cause uncontrollable coughing. Infants, if they have whooping cough, may not cough at all. They just may struggle to breathe or temporarily stop breathing. The reason that whooping cough is so serious is that about half of babies who get whooping cough do end up in the hospital. Of babies who end up hospitalized with whooping cough, about one in four are going to get pneumonia, and about one or two out of a hundred actually die from whooping cough. Your care provider may also recommend that you make sure that anyone that's going to be around your newborn baby also gets the Tdap vaccine. This is something that's called cocooning. The idea behind this is that if you are surrounding your baby with people who are up to date on their Tdap vaccine, that that's going to limit their exposure. This can be kind of a strange thing because one, a lot of people aren't going to know whether or not they've had the Tdap vaccine without maybe contacting their doctor and getting medical records. The Tdap vaccine is just a one-dose vaccine, so if they have ever had it in their life, then they should be fine. It can also be a little bit awkward to ask people if they've had a vaccine and if they haven't to ask them to go get it. And this is a decision that's completely up to you. So talk to your doctor or midwife about it, see what their thoughts are. And if it's important for you to make sure that anyone that's around your newborn does have the Tdap vaccine, you certainly can request that of people. If it's not something that you're concerned about, it's totally your choice. As with any vaccine, there are potential side effects. These are rated in mild, moderate, and severe. 
Some of the mild problems following a Tdap vaccine are pain where the shot was given. This affects about two in three adults. Redness or swelling where the shot was given. This affects about one in five people. A mild fever. This is a fever of about 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit. This affects about one in 100 adults. A headache. This affects about three or four people in every 10. Tiredness, which affects about one in every three or four people. Nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, stomach ache affects about one in 10 adults. Chills and sore joints affects about one in 10 people. Body aches affects about one in every three or four people. So you kind of get the idea here. I'm not going to sit and read through every single possible side effect, but I will link to the CDC page that shows the list of all the possible side effects along with the rates that they're seeing these. And as with any medicine, and this is a quote directly from the CDC, there is a very remote chance of a vaccine causing a serious injury or death, and the safety of vaccines is always being monitored. So you can check out that link if you want to read the full list of all the possible side effects. A big thing that I look at when I am evaluating whether or not to get a vaccine is going to be who makes the vaccine and exactly what is in it. The Tdap vaccine is made by two different manufacturers and both were approved in 2005. The first one I want to talk about is Adacel, which is made by Sanofi Pasteur. I could be butchering that company name. Sorry about that if I am. But I'll link to the package insert so you can read all of the disclaimers and everything that they include with the vaccination. This is considered a pregnancy category C. So they use these classifications of drugs to describe the risks of using prescription drugs during pregnancy. And it goes A, B, C, D, and X. A is the safest. X would not be used for somebody who's pregnant. With category C, Adacel states that animal reproduction studies have not been conducted with this vaccine. It's also not known whether the Adacel vaccine can cause fetal harm when administered to pregnant women or whether it can affect reproduction capacity. Adacel vaccine should be given to pregnant women only if clearly needed. Your other option for the Tdap vaccine is Boostrix, which is from GlaxoSmithKline. This is pregnancy category B. With the Boostrix vaccine, a developmental toxicity study was performed in female rats. So there's been a little bit more research done on Boostrix than there has been on Adacel. They do note that there's no adequate or well-controlled studies in pregnant women. And because animal reproduction studies are not always predictive of human response, Boostrix should only be given to pregnant women if clearly needed. Both the Adacel and the Boostrix contain aluminum and formaldehyde. I actually spent quite a bit of time looking at the amount of aluminum in these two vaccines to see if there was a significant difference. And I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist and trying to figure out exactly how much aluminum is in these vaccines was kind of tough. They list the aluminum used in the three different types of the vaccine because you're being protected against tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis. And I 
gotta say it was super confusing. But overall, not a huge difference. And both vaccines overall are pretty similar. I think it's a good idea if you are going to do the Tdap vaccine, talk to your care provider about the different options, find out if they give one over the other and why they would recommend that, and talk to them about the two different vaccines that are available. The whole topic of vaccines is a stressful one for me to cover because the gold standard for safety and efficacy testing is going to be to use double-blind placebo and control groups for a large population and to monitor those people over time. And this is just not possible when you're talking about studying pregnant women. There's no pregnant woman that's going to sign up for a study that could potentially expose her to something harmful. Without having that gold standard safety testing, there's no way that we could say with 100% certainty that these vaccines are completely effective and completely safe. But with the information that we do have and the research that is available, these vaccines have been deemed safe by the CDC and they are recommended. Whether or not you decide to get the vaccine is completely up to you and a decision that you should be making by talking to your doctor or midwife about it. You can opt out of these vaccines. They are optional and it's something that if you are going to have done is going to need your consent. To recap today's episode, I hope that this episode has given you a good baseline of information to help you make a decision on whether or not you want to get the Tdap vaccine while you are expecting. I do encourage you to talk to your doctor or midwife about this and get their thoughts and expertise on this and talk to them about any possible questions or concerns that you have about the Tdap vaccine. I sincerely wish that we did have a placebo-controlled study on a large group of a population where it followed babies whose mothers were given the Tdap vaccine for years and years after they were born. It just does not exist. And all you can do as an expecting parent is just to make the very best decision that you can based on the information and evidence that you have available to you now. I want to thank you for tuning into the pregnancy podcast today. I really do hope that you find this episode helpful. Next week, we are talking about the flu vaccine during pregnancy. I think that vaccines are not just a one size fits all and it's either a yes or no call on all vaccines. So I think it's good to take a look at them individually. And I think that you will see why we are looking at the flu vaccine separate from the Tdap vaccine when you tune in next week. As always, you can contact me, Vanessa at PregnancyPodcast.com. You can find notes and resources for this episode at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 64.